It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned into another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week, as the rain continues to come on down here at the studios for three days in a row, yes, we are that much closer to summer, but you decided to get a little bit of magic into your system, and you tuned in for show number 36 for the week of April 10th, 2013. And this week, as summer is coming up, spring is in the air, we got to get ready for some spring cleaning. And with that, we have all kinds of fun, and we hope your teeth are clean, because we have the Tooth Fairy, the Babe, and many others, because we have Art LaFleur stopping in here at the show. Yes, Art LaFleur, one of those actors that you know his face. He was the Babe in the Sandlot film. He was also the Tooth Fairy, Roy, in the Santa Claus 2 and 3. He was in Man of the House, First Kid, Field of Dreams, MASH, and many other shows. Like I said, he has a face that you definitely know when you see it on screen. And Art LaFleur is going to stop in and talk about what it's like being part of this film legacy, having one of those faces that everybody knows everywhere throughout cinema, television, and more. How did he get started in acting? And you may not know this, but he also has a tie-in to the 80s sitcom Webster. And Art's going to stop in and share all those stories with us here this week on the show. In addition, we have the D-Team back. Yes, we have Lexi back, our D-Team member from Down Under, as she's going to be stopping in with a little bit more of a history and backstory of our special guest, Art LaFleur, here this week. We have Jason back as he's going down in the vault with another DVD and Blu-ray review for you. We have the return of the Artist Corner as Jamie is back once again uncovering the tidbits, the hidden gems, of Walt Disney's original 90 men. And we have the debut of an all-new D-Team member with Aaron, as he's going to be bringing you an all-new segment from all the questions that we receive here at the show with I Want to Know. And this week, in recent passing, Annette Funicello, our beloved Mouseketeer that we all love from the original Mickey Mouse Club series, has passed away. So you're going to find many gems, tidbits, and more in honor of the one and only Annette Funicello, including our own little retrospect about this famous Mouseketeer. We have tons of news hot off the D-Wire from the Disney Channel, the films, the parks, and more, and tons of other goodies, as we're going to let you have all that fun, all that magic, and all those memories to kick spring into the air. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to stop my rambling. We're going to kick it off. We have all kinds of fun. Spring is here, aside from the rain. So let's kick off show number 36 for the week of April 10th, 2013. And I will be right back, D-heads. We put hug there and kiss there. All right. Quiet, please. Rolling. Take six.
First, his dad split. Then, mom started dating. Can't resist a pretty girl. Know what I mean, buddy? I'm 11. I hate girls. I mean, he's so uncool. Did you know he actually irons his jeans? Now a stranger is moving in. Morning, Ben. Oh, mom. Ben said the thought of us being in the same bed would be psychologically damaging to him. This isn't so bad. Did he actually use those words? I can live with this. Yes. He's a very bright kid. There's only one way to get his life back to normal. My advice is to get rid of this guy. Yeah, but how do I do that? The Indian guides. This Indian guide thing could be the solution to my problem. Hey, how are you, Jack? Fine, thanks. How are you? Who's up for a game of potato bowling? Well, what kind of paint is that? Just watercolor. Really, this is just a rash. The happy face is not technically a native symbol. The guy's history. Yes. Picking Indian names for each other is one of the most important Indian guide rituals. How about squatting dog? Good name. To make sure they're the same height. doesn't get much better than this. Walt Disney Pictures presents Chevy Chase and Home Improvement's Jonathan Taylor Thomas in the story of a father-to-be and the son who doesn't want him to be. Can't get any worse than this. Man of the House. Squatting though? That's the best you could come up with? I had a squirrel named Num Nuts. Hello, this is Haley Mills and you're listening to Disney On Demand.
at age 70. Now, Annette Funicello has been battling MS for quite some time now, but it was announced this last week that at the age of 70, our favorite Mouseketeer from the original 1955 Mickey Mouse Club had passed away. Now, she was part of the original Mickey Mouse Club that in later years would spawn over two other incarnations in the 1970s and the late 80s through the 90s. Now, Annette proved to be so popular that she was featured in the weekly serial movie on the program of the Mickey Mouse Club with Annette. And if you remember that, we are going to have a special Annette song later on here at the show. You may or may not remember it. Everybody always recalls her Monkey's Uncle and many of her other hits, but how about somebody singing a song strictly about Annette? But she followed the small town girl's journey to the new city. Now, Annette was the face and the spokesperson for the Mickey Mouse Club and even recorded many top hits as Monkey's Uncle, Tall Paul, and Babes in Toyland she featured in and the Back to the Beach films, many of the beach films that everybody knows with Frankie Avalon. In 1989, she joined the New Mouseketeers in a reunion show on the all-new Mickey Mouse Club at the grand opening of the then Disney's MGM Studios, now renamed Disney's Hollywood Studios. In 1992, Annette made it public that she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and later created an official site called AnnetteConnection.com where the stories, memories, and legacy are featured from her fantastic career. Annette, you truly will be missed, and all show long we're going to have little tidbits and nods to Annette, and coming up later on here at Disney On Demand and future shows, we have a very special tribute coming to her as well. But right now, let's bow our heads in a moment of silence for our favorite Mouseketeer, Annette Funicello, you will be missed. Now moving right along in D news, let's get right back into action. And how about AT&T U-verse bringing new innovative watch Disney branded authentic services to all of its subscribers? Yes, AT&T U-verse and Disney ABC Television Groups today announced that customers can now access three authenticated products: Watch Disney Channel, Watch Disney XD, and Watch Disney Junior. Now this is you can watch it at home or on the go with a suite of innovative apps for the iOS and Kindle Fire devices. You can watch online at WatchDisneyChannel.com, WatchDisneyXD.com, and WatchDisneyJunior.com, or you can watch them in your hand on these devices like the Kindle or any iOS services right there with these apps. Now, AT&T UVerse customers who subscribe to Disney Channel, XD, and Disney Junior Networks have it as part of their UVerse and TV subscriptions. They can now stream these channels live, online, or DVR them using their UVerse box, or you can even watch it on your Android, iOS device, Xbox, Kindle Fire using the AT&T UVerse email and password as your login. Now this is absolutely free to watch. The apps are free and it is simple, easy to use. I downloaded them this past week. My children were having a blast with it. They were watching on their iPads and you know, they loved it. It's simple, it's quick and come on, I got a little confession to make. I'm kind of excited because I want to watch, uh, you know, Phineas and Ferb and a couple of the other shows that I really enjoy watching. You know, aside from my kids watching Sophia and Jake and the Neverland Pirates, I got a couple of my favorites like Gravity Falls that I'm looking forward to watching as well. Now, this is all new. You can get it absolutely free and, you know, go and check it out in your store. Now you can watch Disney Junior, XD, and Disney Channel with the all new Watch Disney apps. Now, continuing on with news, let's get back to the parks. And how about Disney's Animal Kingdom? Now, way back in 1998, I remember watching the Happy Easter Parade on TV and watching Regis Philbin as he strolled around Disney's Animal Kingdom. A month later, they had the all-new grand opening of the Animal Kingdom televised on TV, and that same year, I had the pleasure of being there in its inaugural year. Well, 
April 22nd, yes, coming up here this week, is Animal Kingdom's 15th anniversary. It doesn't seem that it was that long ago, but the park surely has evolved. It went from being a half-day park, as some people put it, to having many things to do. I mean, I think a half-day park only is what it is if you grow bored very easily. There's going to be a lot of things happening for that 15th anniversary that is going to happen. Now, the day is going to open with very special ceremonies and more by the Tree of Life at 8.40 a.m. Now, Disney has recommended that guests get there earlier than that because the scheduled speakers have a variety of people, including the Vice President of Disney's Animal Kingdom. There's Dr. Jackie Ogden, Vice President of Animals, Science, and Environment, and Joe Road, yes, we all know his name, Senior Vice President of Walt Disney Imagineering Creative. Now, throughout the day, Disney is planning special interactives, Party for the Planet activities to celebrate Earth Day with a focus on animals and nature. Artists and other vendors are going to be in the Animal Kingdom in Africa and Discovery Island areas, presenting their work and making it available for purchase. And Disney also promised limited edition 15th anniversary merchandise and is going to have special food and beverage items and also details that aren't going to be revealed until it's closer to the day of April 22nd. Now, guests and Disney fans have also been invited to join in the celebration on Twitter using the hashtag DAK15 during the event. Now, at 500 acres, Disney's Animal Kingdom is the largest single theme park, and it's currently the largest theme park in the entire world, though it's expected to become the second largest later this year after a planned expansion opens at Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. But Disney plans to open Avatar Land very soon. And, you know, all right, I have to say it. I'm not one for this. I think Avatar Land is ridiculous. So there, I said it. It's out of my system. I'm not going to go on a rant like a lot of people would. But you're either with me or against me. But Disney's Animal Kingdom's 15th anniversary event is the latest big milestone in the Walt Disney World parks. And the Magic Kingdom recently celebrated its 40th anniversary in 2011 and Epcot marked its 30th last year. Now next year, it will be Disney Hollywood Studios' turn to mark its 25th anniversary. That park opened on May 1st, 1989 as Disney's MGM Studios. And if you've read our blog on our website at dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com, you may have read that uh, there might be a name change in the future for that as well. But if you're like me, you're excited for the 15th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Definitely check it out and remember that hashtag on Twitter, D-A-K-15. Now pushing right along, how about getting into the big screen? And lately Disney's been re-releasing and remaking a variety of its films, kind of like they did in the late 90s, early 2000s with Freaky Friday and Herbie and many of those. Well, Prometheus screenwriter John Spayes is hired as Disney's Black Hole remake. Yes, everybody has been speculating around that the Black Hole was going to get a remake, and this is a fantastic sci-fi film. I have always loved this one, but now it was released that director Joseph Kosinski teased that Disney would be releasing some big news about the remake of its 1979 sci-fi film, The Black Hole. Now we know what he was talking about as Prometheus screenwriter was hired for The Black Hole remake. Now, according to the new report, screenwriter John Space has been hired to rewrite the film, picking up where the screenwriter Travis Beecham left off. Previously, he has written on such films as The Darkest Hour and Prometheus, and he's currently working on the new reboot of the Mummy franchise. Now, according to The Hollywood Reporter, which was also the first to break the story, he won over Disney with his big idea concept for the film, which is philosophical and somewhat dark in tone. And we all know this. If you love the film, if you love the original film of The Black Hole, you know there is many interpretations about that final scene that they were going through hell, it was their death, it was the end of mankind. There's a variety of different uh, things with that. And, you know, it is a great 
prolific kind of film that they just never really truly explored, and I'm excited for it. Now, The Black Hole was notable at that time when it was originally released as being Disney's most expensive movie ever at $26 million for both production and advertising. And we all know... <laughs> All, everything goes beyond that nowadays. But you know what? Let's just see where this lies. It's great news. I mean, I for one do believe that many of the original classics, you know, sometimes they are untouchable. But in other aspects, you need it to pass down the tradition and the family. I mean, as much as I love, say, the original Parent Trap with Haley Mills. Love the film. I think it's fantastic to this day. I love that film. The remake with Lindsay Lohan. You know, that's the film that my daughter is growing up with and my son. You know, it's one of those things where kids aren't going to sit around and watch some of these older films. But they're great stories. It's great family entertainment. So when it comes to things like The Shaggy Dog, Freaky Friday, The Parent Trap, and now The Black Hole, you know, I think it might be okay to remake some of these and, uh, you know, introduce it to a new generation and build that Disney following once again. Now, continuing on with the movie news, you know, let's just move into Disney's other, you know, franchises that they have. And how about Marvel Entertainment? Well, Harley Davidson and Marvel have now joined forces for Marvel's Iron Man 3. Harley Davidson, you know, based in the home of where we reside here at the DoD Studios, and Marvel Entertainment are teaming up for Marvel's Iron Man 3 Man and Machine Contest, where fans can enter and win a chance to be part of the comic book created by Marvel. Fans can go online and select a custom Harley-Davidson motorcycle to design. Now, the winners will be drawn into the comic book as part of the member Road Force team. Now, five winners will be selected to become part of the Marvel Avengers comic book, where their likeness will be drawn into a series with motorcycles they selected and the characters that they create. All winners will receive a VIP trip to Comic-Con International, where they'll participate in the event where their Road Force characters will be unveiled and immortalized. One grand prize winner will also win a custom Harley-Davidson motorcycle that they created. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Now through May 31st, you can enter this contest, Marvel's Iron Man 3 Man and Machine Contest, at harley-davison.com slash Ironman. Now, this is a great way for you to just interact, have some fun, and, you know, I, I sat around and played with it and entered myself. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's fun just to sit there and make the bike. Who doesn't love a good hog, right? I mean, seriously. I... I I loved my Harley Softail before I had to sell it and became a father of four kids. But, you know, we, we all love motorcycles. It's awesome. But if you want to find out more about this, you can definitely check out their official website. We also have a write-up right there on our homepage at DizRadio.com with a link to the contest. Now, since we are talking about Iron Man 3, how about moving into those tunes? While you're riding your motorcycle, you're having some fun. How about the all-new music that is inspired by Marvel's Iron Man 3 is set to release this month on April 30th. Now, 12 superheroes of indie and alternative rock bands have banded together to create Heroes Fall, the all-new Marvel Music and Hollywood Records compilation of music inspired by the highly anticipated movie Marvel's Iron Man 3. Now, Heroes Fall is going to arrive in stores and online on April 30th, 2013, while the film opens in theaters May 3rd. Now, there's a lot of great songs that are featured on here, including AWOL Nation's Some Kind of Joke, which is featured within the film, and other songs were recorded exclusively for the album, including Big Bad Wolves by Walk the Moon, Back to the Start by Mr. Little Jeans, and Redemption by Red Light King. Now, there's 12 great tracks on here, all fully loaded with tunes that are some great indie bands. I mean, come on, if it has AWOL Nation on there, 
it's going to be fun. There's a lot of different bands on here from Neon Trees, Passion Pit, Capital Cities, Mr. Little Jeans, Red Light King, Walk the Moon, I mean, a variety of other ones that are pretty cool. And you're going to be able to get this online in the iTunes Store and in stores. And this is the all-new Heroes Fall, music inspired by the motion picture of Iron Man 3. Now, pushing right along, let's get into the business side of Disney. And how about Starbucks? hiring a Disney exec for a strategy job. Now, Starbucks, yes, I am a fan of Starbucks. People love it or hate it. Yes, I do love my fruity coffees. But Starbucks has hired Walt Disney executive Matthew Ryan for a new position of Global Chief Strategy Officer. Now, as they have released, Matt's innovative approach to customer analytics and brand optimization will bring a new level of insight and imagination to Starbucks and our significant brand ambitions, CEO Howard Schultz has said in a press release. Now, Ryan is going to start next month reporting to Schultz and leading a long-term strategic planning for the company. Since the year 2000, Ryan has been Disney's Senior Vice President of Brand, Franchise, and Customer Relationship Management, leading development on Disney's global brand, development, and character franchises, including many of its customer relationship programs. Now, as it's been put, Starbucks, like Disney, is one of the few companies in the world that has truly authentic connections with their customers that stand the test of time. Now, I, I see this as a great move. I mean, Starbucks has already been released into the parks that we heard about last year. Many were for it or against it. I, for one, hey, you know what? If I can get a vanilla latte or a peppermint mocha while I'm walking the streets of Main Street, I'm all for it. But, you know, congratulations to him on this move, and I'm sure he's going to do some great things for Starbucks. And in keeping with business, how about some more promotion news as Disney Channels Worldwide has promoted Karen K. Miller. Now, Karen K. Miller has been promoted to VP Programming of Strategy, Acquisitions, and Co-Productions. In her new position, the Burbank-based Miller will continue to direct the development of the overall scheduling strategies to ensure regional and local programming plans are consistent with global properties. She's also going to oversee the global acquisitions process, sourcing live action and animated series and movies worldwide for Disney Channel, Disney XD, and Disney Junior. And the company has said that she is highly respected for her expertise and her unfailing work ethic. So Karen K. Miller, congratulations, and you're going to be up in, uh, you know, helping everybody uh, get Disney worldwide. Now, moving away from the small screen and company news, how about getting back to the big screen? And yes, this one fired up all over Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, but I will announce it just in case you didn't know, but Finding Dory is coming in 2015. Hold on, I'll give you a minute because this might be just breaking news. <laughs> all right, anyways, if anybody was online this week, you saw it, you saw it everywhere, and Finding Dory is getting released in 2015. Now, following years of speculation on whether it would be produced, the sequel to the Oscar-winning animated film Finding Nemo is going to be released in 2015. They have officially released that Disney Pixar is working on the film, and Finding Dory will focus on the absent-minded and chatty blue tangfish voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, who is a hit with audiences, and she's going to reprise her role once again. As she has stated in recent releases, I am very excited that this is finally happening, as she has put it on her daytime talk show. She also says she has been a big fan of the script and thinks it's going to be a great move for Finding Dory. Now, Andrew Stanton, who co-directed 2000 2003's Finding Nemo with Lee Unkrich said that the film will center on Dory reuniting with her loved ones, much like the family-focused plot of Nemo. No biggie there. Now, he said the movie is set about a year after Finding Nemo and includes the famous clownfish and his father and the Tangfish Gang. Now, the film is set for November 25th, 2015, and there's a lot of speculation on this that everybody is, you know, either for it or against it. Do I think it's going to be a great family film? Yes. Would I rather see something other than a sequel? Yes. 
I mean, enough with the Pixar sequels. I want something new, something fresh, something original, just like you used to do. Give me something like Wally or Ratatouille or anything, just not a sequel. But, you know, come on, I'm a Disney fan. I'm going to love watching Finding Dory too. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to let you go for a little bit. We have the D-team coming up. We have the brand new D-team member, Aaron, who's going to be stopping in with his brand new segment. We also have Jamie back with the Artist Corner, as he's going to give you more about Walt's nine old men. So there's a lot of great things on the horizon. I'm going to stop ranting and raving and talking and giving you news and give you a little bit of a break from me, and I'm going to get something to drink. But before I let you go and release the reins to the D-Team, I'm going to let you know that Diz Radio is proudly sponsored by Pixie Vacations, and the agents at Pixie Vacations specialize in all Disney destinations. Whether you want to go to Walt Disney World in Florida, Disneyland, California Adventure, or set sail on a Disney cruise, or take part in Adventures by Disney, Pixie Vacations is an authorized Disney vacation planner with knowledgeable and experienced agents who will help you with the best Disney vacation planning ever. You can contact them directly at 678-815-1584, or you can go to pixievacations.com, or you can go to our website at disradio.com and click on the banner right there. So, all of you D-heads, I'm going to release the reins to the D-team. We have all kinds of fun. Stay tuned for more special tidbits and songs in honor of our favorite fallen mouseketeer, Annette Funicello, and many other tidbits as we gear up. For the one and only star of Man of the House, Field of Dreams, The Sandlot, The Santa Claus, Art LaFleur stopping in later on in the show. Be right back, all the G-heads. to observe the safety instructions for watching Disney's High Flying Adventures, Operation Dumbo Drop, and The Last Starfighter. Make sure your recliner and TV tray are in their full, upright, and locked position. Tampering with or disabling the cable connections will seriously inhibit your capacity to enjoy these quality programs. No channel surfing until all movies have come to a complete stop. We know you have a choice when you're viewing, so come back and watch Operation Dumbo Drop and The Last Starfighter. Tomorrow night, it's the magical world of Disney movies every night at 7, 6 central. watching gardening esp which you first saw on tv on tv it just came to me 
TV gets you interested in other things. TV can be a springboard to learning. When something on TV grabs your interest, seize on it. Go to the library or the museum. Or you can make the museum come to you. Tune in to Kids and Family. Watch smart. And now, back to Man of the House. You are now invited to enjoy the world premiere of World of Color. Disney presents The Wonderful World of Color! Hey D-Heads, and welcome back to another segment of the Artist Corner. Now in this week's episode, we continue to look at the life and times and legacies of Walt Disney's Nine Old Men. Now in today's show, we look at a true Disney legend, Mark Davis. Now, Mark's career spanned over 60 years, including 43 of them spent at the Walt Disney Company. Now, Mark Davis was one of the prominent artists and animators for the Walt Disney Studios. And just some of the animated characters Davis mainly designed and animated are Thumper and Flower from Bambi, Br'er Rabbit from Song of the South, and the title character of Cinderella, Alice and Alice's Wonderland, Tinkerbell and Peter Pan, Aurora, and Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty, and along with Corella Deville in 101 Dalmatians. Davis also played a very important key role in the creation of many Disney attractions. His genius and influence is evident among the classics of the Disney Empire, such as attractions of the Haunted Mansion, It's a Small World, Pirates of the Caribbean, and his genius was even tapped for the Western River Expedition, the largest attraction that Disney had planned for the Frontierland. But this attraction never saw the light of day and is still known as the most famous Disney ride that never was built. Now, Mark also found romance and marriage here at the Walt Disney Company. Mark first met his wife, Alice, at the prestigious Colnard Art Institute while he was teaching a night class in animation. Now, Alice Davis became a famous designer for Disney. Alice earned a reputation within the fashion community with her pattern-making skills and her expertise with different types of erotic fabrics. While working on the film Sleeping Beauty, Mark needed a costume for a dancer, Helen Stanley, to perform the live-action footage he needed to observe how the skirt flowed to draw the animation. He called Alice in for her expertise, and eventually they fell in love and married in June of 1956. Now, Walt Disney met Alice and Mark at a restaurant and hired Alice to work for him as a costume designer for the film Toby Tyler. Alice also created the original costuming for figures in Disneyland rides such as Pirates of the Caribbean and It's a Small World. Mark worked for 43 years at the studios and finally retired in 1978. With Mark Davis being a member of Walt Disney's Nine Old Men, he was the last to join the group. In 1989, he was designated as a living legend, the highest honor the Walt Disney Company bestows upon any of its artists. Now, sadly, he passed away in January of 2000. This is the same month that Mark Davis' scholarship fund was formally established at the California Institute of the Arts in benefiting their talents and loyalty to the Walt Disney Company. His wife, Alice Davis, was also named a Disney legend in 2004. As long as there's Disney, Mark's influence will always be felt. Now in today's presentation production of the Disney Family Album, Mark talks about his life and legacy with the Walt Disney Company. 
For over 50 years, some pretty famous characters have performed on the screen for Walt Disney Studios. Of course, they couldn't have done it without a little behind-the-screen help from artists like Mark Davis. Really, an animator is basically an actor, but instead of having his own face in front of the camera, you have uh, the character that you do. And the medium uh, is that of drawing and painting and... But it's with music, it's with acting, it's with dancing, it's, it's all the arts combined in performance. Mark Davis's skills weren't confined to animation. He also designed many of Disneyland's three-dimensional characters. It was interesting because, as I say, this was, again, a different challenge. You know, I, I think that's the whole thing with creativity is, uh, you know, if there's something new to do out there, why not? What Mark Davis tried as an artist nearly always succeeded. His sense of design made every character he created unique. So it's time to part the curtain on his story in the Disney Family Album. Although Walt Disney cartoons impressed Mark with their artistic sleight of hand, his career ambition was to duel with the masters. My own ambitions, I suppose, when I was an art student was to outpaint Michelangelo or Michelangelo and, and do another Sistine Chapel, you know. Well, uh, they weren't buying many of those when I was right out of art school. But here was, uh, here was uh, uh, this cartoon business and Walt Disney was advertising that he wanted, uh, he wanted artists. Then about, uh, oh, maybe six months or uh, so later, I came down to Los Angeles Everybody said, well, why don't you go out and see Walt Disney? You know, he's hiring artists. So I did, and I was hired. And this was very fortunate that uh, Walt Disney was just beginning to build his, his staff and studio to do feature films. Hart broke into animation as an assistant on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1935. Actually, the first scene that I ever animated that had my name on the exposure sheet was a... Uh, scene of Snow White dancing. I worked on the story for three years, and then Walt liked my drawing sufficiently that uh, he, uh, he said he wanted to see my drawings on the screen and to make an animator out of him. So I was put in with Milt Cole and, and Frank Thomas, and they were told to uh, teach him how to animate. One of the first things Mark had to learn as an animator was staging. Staging is where you pick the right place to show something. An example of that was uh, that I, I had something to do with uh, in the staging of was Bambi meeting the skunk for the first time. And, uh, and then he smells down and the skunk comes up right on the end of his nose. And he says, flower. And the, the skunk breaks up because he knows it is. And the rabbit breaks up because he knows it is. Me? <laughs> and you stage this so that you see very definitely this is the back of a, of a little skunk. By the mid-60s, Mark was one of the mainstays at WED, where Disneyland attractions are created. His designs are the foundation of the Country Bear Jamboree, the Haunted Mansion, and for the last job before his retirement, America Sings. And although these projects were completed without Walt Disney, Mark always remembered the best piece of advice his boss ever gave him. I remember one time uh, I, I had a talk with Walt, 
and this was up in his office. And uh, I said, uh, you know, there's two ways I can do this, uh, uh, an expensive way and an inexpensive way. And he said, no. He said, Mark, I don't, I don't agree with that. He said, he says, I think when you do something and you do it well enough, the public's going to pay you back for it. And I think when other people understand that, I think you can do anything. As an artist, Mark Davis could do anything. Story sketches, animation, Disneyland designs. He was an artist's artist whose talent was a cornerstone of Disney's world. It was his fellow artists at Disney who presented him with the most cherished memento of his career. It sits in his home, situated honorably between priceless pieces of New Guinea art. A marvelous gift by not the company, not uh, executives, but by the people that did things with me. And uh, I think that's the highest compliment you could ever have. Thank you, Mark, for your life's contributions to the Walt Disney Company. Today, also, the Artist Corner would like to look at the life and times and legacy of Annette Funicello. Sadly, the Disney community lost one of its biggest and brightest stars. Annette was an American actress and singer, beginning with her professional career as a child performer at the age of 12. Funicello rose to the prominence of one of the most popular Mouseketeers on the original Mickey Mouse Club. Annette took dancing and music lessons as a child to overcome her shyness, and in 1955, the 12-year-old was discovered by Walt Disney. She performed at a Swan Queen in Swan Lake at a dance recital at the Starlight Bowl in Burbank, California. Walt Disney cast her as one of the original Mouseketeers. She was the last to be selected and one of the few cast members to be personally selected by Walt Disney himself. She proved to be very popular by the end of the first season of the Mickey Mouse Club. She was receiving over 6,000 letters a month according to her Disney Legends biography. I know I speak for myself and millions of Disney fans within the Disney community in saying, Annette, we love you and we will miss you. Why? Because we like you. Ladies and gentlemen, as you board, please move all the way across your car to make room for everyone. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors. The monorail will depart momentarily for Epcot. Thank you. As you board, please continue moving across your car to make room for everyone. Kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. If you are standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors. They will be closing in a moment. Thank you. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World monorail to Epcot. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. As we turn south, you can catch a glimpse of the spires of Space Mountain in the Magic Kingdom. Nearby is Disney's Contemporary Resort. You can upgrade a Magic Your Way ticket at any time prior to its expiration by adding more days or options such as Park Hopper and Water Park Fun and more. Just stop by any theme park ticket window for details. You're listening to Disney On Demand. This is Corey Burton saying, please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the headphones at all times. Thank you. 
lady who's as vain as a dream. Who's the one you can't forget? I'll give you just three guesses. Annette, Annette, Annette. When she dances on her toes, she dances in your heart with her pretty pirouette. Each little move expresses So I'm back once again, and I hope you're enjoying this week's show. We have all kinds of fun and all kinds of things lined up here at Disney On Demand here this week for show number 36 with their special guest, Art LaFleur, stopping in. Yes, the Tooth Fairy Roy. You know, I like that name. I think he should be the Tooth Fairy Roy. He's going to be stopping in here very shortly here at the show. But right now, I'm stopping in because we don't have an official intro made yet. But we didn't want to hold off much more. Every single week, all of you D-heads out there always ask us a variety of questions. You always shoot us emails and many others about, you know, Disney movies, television, and more. But now we have a segment here that's going to answer those questions. And I'm just stopping in because I'm going to give you a little bit of an intro until we get one made for him. But we have our newest D-team member, Aaron, who is now welcomed to the D-team here at Disney On Demand. And he's going to have his all-new segment, I Want to Know, coming up right now. I'm forwarding on all these questions to Aaron. And remember, in the future, you can always email him directly at Aaron, that's 
E-R-I-N at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. So enough of my rambling, and uh, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and leave it to our newest DT member. Take it away, Aaron. Hello, D-Heads. My name is Aaron Carpenter. I'll be hosting a new segment called I Want to Know. Each week, we'll take questions you have submitted and let you know about it. I'd like to start with a brief introduction. As I said, my name is Aaron Carpenter. I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm married and have a seven-year-old son who also loves Disney. I grew up in Southern California, so Disneyland was my life as a child. I've been more times than I can count. I've always loved everything Disney, especially the movies. I used to always look forward to Sunday nights when Magical World of Disney came on. We get down to Walt Disney World when we can, but it's never enough. But I'm also an authorized Disney planner, so I love helping people plan their own magical trips. I'm looking forward to diving into questions every week and learning along with you new things about Disney. Well, let's get started with this week's questions. The first question is from Timothy K. And he asks, what is the origins of Marsupilami? Is he still really big overseas? What happened to the Disney cartoon of him? Well, Marsupilami is a fictional comic book species created by Andre Franken, first published on January 31, 1952. The name is a collection of words, marsupial, pilo pilo, which is a French name for Eugene the Jeep, which was a favorite character of Franklin growing up, and Ami, French for friend, which put together gave you marsupilami. He appeared in a Belgic comic book series called Spiro et Fantasio, until Franklin stopped working on the series in 1968. The character dropped out, but in the late 80s, Marsupilami got his own comic. He helped launch Marsu Productions, which led to two animated shows, as well as a Sega Genesis game and a variety of merchandise. An interesting fact, Asteroid 98494 Marsupilami is named in his honor. Marsupilami is still making appearances overseas. He's still part of a cartoon series that is in its fourth season with the fifth one in the works. In 2003, he had his own postage stamp in France. He appeared in a movie in 2012. There's also a website, www.marsupilami.com, that you can follow this character. Now, Disney's versions of Marsupilami first appeared on TV in Raw Tunage in 1992. This appearance led to 13 episodes in 93 that appeared on CBS Network. Disney's Marsupilami had many characters never seen in the original comic. He was voiced by Steve Mitchell, pardon the pronunciation, also the voice of Nosedive in the Mighty Ducks cartoon. The show only lasted one season, and reruns were aired on the Disney Channel and Toon Disney. Who knows, maybe he'll pop up again in the States. Next question is from Disney Todd. He asks, in The Horse with the Gray Flannel Suit, the movie made reference of a pharmaceutical company and named the horse after it. Is that, or was that a real company, and was the horse competition really that big back then? Well, the horse in the gray flannel suit is from 1968. Actually, the horse was not named after the company, but after the drug the company was promoting. The name of the drug company was called Allied Drug Company, but I couldn't find any reference to an actual company with that name. Aspercell was a new stomach drug, and Frederick Bolton, played by Dean Jones, was to promote the new product. He found a way to promote the drug and to make his daughter Helen happy. She always wanted a horse, 
and she'd been taking lessons and doing competitions. He figured if she won some horse shows, that she'd be happy and the name of the new drug would make the papers. Helen, though an amateur, wins the title of Grand Champion Open Jumper at the prestigious Washington International Horse Show with the help of her trainer and boyfriend Ronnie, played by no other than Kurt Russell. The Washington International Horse Show started in 1958 and is still going strong today. Each October, more than 500 of the top national and international horses and riders compete in Washington, D.C. The 1960s have been considered the golden age for horse sports. They were huge nationally and internationally and were prominent in the Olympics. In fact, in the three Olympics in the 60s, the U.S. won gold, silver, and bronze medals. Alright, our final question today is from Karen M. And she wants to know, at the Magic Kingdom, there is a record for the Country Bears Jamboree. Is that LP still available? Where can I find it? And do they still have Big Al t-shirts? Well, we all love the Country Bears. The LP was released in 1972. Side A had the original soundtrack for the Disneyland and later Walt Disney World attraction, and Side B contained instrumental country western songs, some of which were frequently heard in the Pepsi Frito-Lay long bar next to the Country Bears. I'm sorry to say there is very little to no Country Bear merchandise to be found at the parks. I did come across a website though, it's www.mousevinyl.com, and you just put in Country Bear Jamboree, and it pulls up the entire LP and you can listen to it from beginning to end. Well, that concludes this installment of I Want to Know. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Berries and varying amounts, dump them in a pot. Stir-
Kitties, it's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Hey there, all of you D-heads. I'm back once again, and we're here at the DOD 76 studios having some fun, having some laughs, as we're waiting for the one and only Art LaFleur to be stopping in very shortly here at Disney On Demand. And, you know, thank you, Jamie and Aaron, once again, for stopping in with your segments and being part of the D-team. Remember, if you do want to connect up with the D-team, you can always visit them and connect up with them directly on our official website at DizRadio.com. So, D-Heads, we have a lot of things in order here, a lot of things happening, a lot of fun. We got more D-Team coming up, we got special guests, we got more music and tunes and magic and memories. So, yes, I'll shut up and get right back to a little more news here this week. So, in keeping with the news, how about Disney shutting down LucasArts this week? Yes, that's right, everybody has seen this hot off the wire, but LucasArts, in a statement on April 3rd, announced that Disney is closing the long-running game studios responsible for numerous Star Wars titles and upcoming projects, including the recently axed Star Wars 1313 and Star Wars first assault. Now, the closure resulted from a company-wide layoff that represented a shift in the licensing model. Now, I think that Disney is just going to focus a little bit more on probably the franchise, the films, the television, and more. And, you know, I got to say, I never truly was a big Star Wars gamer to begin with. So, you know, it doesn't affect me, but I'm sure if you are a D-head out there and are listening, you're very upset about this. But, you know, they have officially shut it down. Now, in getting back to a little more sad news, aside from just having our one and only Annette Funicello, our favorite Mouseketeer, passing away at age 70 this past week, how about Roger Ebert? Yes, Siskel and Ebert, our favorite two thumbs up guys, Roger Ebert, has passed away also at the age of 70. Now, Roger Ebert, known famously for giving his thumbs up, has passed away at 70 years old this past week. He has been known to give a lot of great reviews. We all watched him growing up. He is the one that helped create the staple with Siskel with the two thumbs up model, something that we all use today. Did he invent the thumbs up? No. Did they make it popular? Yes. I think that movie reviews are not going to be the same. I mean, now there are so many movie review sites, so many people writing reviews. But you know what? They are the guys that brought this to your home. The guys that brought it to your public television. The ones that helped just, you know, really make it memorable. And you wanted to watch it. I know I never missed a beat. Whether you agreed with them or didn't, you loved watching them. And it is truly an end of an era. I mean, the balcony has officially been closed. So let's bow our heads in a moment of silence for the one and only Roger Ebert, who has now ended an era and passed away at age 70. Now, getting back to the Disney movies and layoffs, we just talked about how LucasArts was getting a, a lot of layoffs and the gaming system shut down. Well, I'm just going to give you a little headline here, but Disney is about to cut 150 movie studio jobs in their movies division. Now, although that does sound like a lot, it only represents about an eighth of the amount of employees that they have, but... I don't know what that says. I don't know if, you know, it's a structure and things or losing money this year, but be prepared that they are releasing 150 employees back into the workforce. Now, getting into the small screen, because we know we have a lot of D-heads out there who are Disney Channel fans. A lot of you younger D-heads out there, you love the Disney Channel, and, you know, we pride ourselves here at Disney On Demand in bringing you all the Disney news that you're not going to find. It's not just the same things you see all over the wires. It is definitely 
different kind of Disney news to, uh, you know, match our new kind of Disney show. But how about That's So Ravens star Orlando Brown arrested for alleged DOI? Yes, former That's So Raven television star Orlando Brown was in custody Tuesday after being arrested in North Hollywood on suspicion of driving drunk. Now, Brown, who's now 25 years old, was arrested at 11.30 p.m. on Sunday on Lancashire Boulevard and booked on suspicion of driving drunk. Now, the actor was being held on $26,000 bail for an arrest warrant from a previous DUI arrest, according to multiple media reports. Now, the initial court appearance for his most recent arrest has not been scheduled, but the warrant on his previous DUI was for him not showing up in court back in 2012 in October for a DUI from 2011. Now, many people are going to jump on the wire and say, oh, it's just child actors, another Disney star gone off the binge. I don't think that's the case. I think it's just a guy who was drinking, got drunk, very dangerous, get off the road. But I don't think it really represents the Disney company or other actors from the Disney Channel. But, you know, it is sad to see that this does happen. I mean, it's dangerous both for people on the road and other people and children driving, but it's also not good for him. Now, in keeping with uh, other Disney Channel stars, how about Ashley Tisdale? Now, we all know Ashley Tisdale from a variety of different things, including her playing Sharpay in the High School Musical series. But most recently, she is going to be in the all-new Scary Movie 5, as we've been able to see all over television. If you've been watching TV and many other things, well, Ashley Tisdale is posing topless for Maxim Magazine. Now, many men out there are purchasing Maxim Magazine, and you know, come on, I'm one of those guys where I do get Maxim in my house. I do get it delivered. Does my wife disagree with it? You know, as she puts it, it's just a magazine. So, no biggie there, but Ashley Tisdale firmly set aside her Disney Channel image in a new photo shoot for May's issue of Maxim Magazine as she is posing topless for the suit. Now, the former Disney Channel star who recently wrapped up filming Scary Movie 5 is on the cover of the magazine, which is arguably her sexiest cover ever, as she has put it. Now, since rising to fame on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, High School Musical, she is now 27 years old and continues to take on projects targeted at a teen audience. Why not? because she looks like a teen. Now, many people think she still is a teen, but she is 27 years old. So, now set that aside, she is a lot older than many of the roles that people are going to associate her with. Now, she did get the star opposite of another child star actor that has been on the binge back and forth lately, Lindsay Lohan. Now, as she has put it, I think Lindsay's great, she said with working with the troubled actress. There are so many cameos that you're going to see. You're going to be able to see Mike Tyson and many others. Now, Tisdale is going to share a variety of different, uh, you know, stories and many other things in that magazine, including one that uh, probably isn't the best for this magazine, but she shared one of her scariest encounters of an over-the-top fan, where she said, I Instagrammed a picture of me waking up, and the next day, this older gentleman came to my parents' house saying he wasn't going to leave until he saw me. She said, I guess I shouldn't have Instagrammed a picture of me in bed. So, if you're getting Maxim Magazine, Ashley Tisdale is going to be on the cover. Now, getting back to more of the family-friendly version of the Disney Channel, how about Disney Channel sweeping another total day? Yes, for the week of April 1st, 2013, Disney Channel once again swept the total day ranking as cable TV's number one network in total viewers and TV's number one network across kids ages 2 to 11, 6 to 11, and tweens, hitting 13-week highs. Disney Channel has now grown above and beyond and has buried Nickelodeon, which has dropped over 50%. Congrats to Disney Channel on that. So all of you D-heads, I would love to bring you more news, maybe some DVD and Blu-ray releases, but 
nothing's on the agenda for this month. Nothing's going on right now. So with that said, I'm going to release the reins to our DT member from Down Under, Lexi, as she's going to stop in and give us a little bit more about our special guest here this week, Art LaFleur. Yes, Roy the Tooth Fairy and the Babe is going to be stopping in here very shortly. And I'm also just going to take a break and uh, get something to drink myself. So with that said, I'm going to let you go release the reins. we got more of the DT, more show here this week. So thank you once again for tuning in to our new kind of Disney show. And uh, yeah, okay, if you hear that pounding at the door here in the studios, it's my 10-month-old who is getting into everything. Being a father of four kids, chaos, let me tell you. You can't even go in the studios without having to bring them along. <laughs> so all VD heads, I'm going to leave it to Lexi. I'll be back with Art very shortly.
in their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that. We'll return to Man of the House after this. The Disney Channel, your home for Disney animated classics, presents The Lion King. Saturday on the magical world of Disney. Movies every night starting at 7, 6 Central on Disney. fun this year. I hope everyone got some delicious treats from the Easter Bunny. Was anyone able to make some Disney themed chocolate eggs? That would have been fantastic. Well, the treats of the holiday weekend have not stopped. We are so lucky to have Art LaFleur as our special guest this week. Speaking of holidays, we all love the Santa Claus movies, right? Get this, Art LaFleur, our special guest, was none other than the Tooth Fairy. How cool! He might be here to check our post-chocolate teeth. <laughs> Only kidding. As a fabulous character actor, Art has brought some of the most beloved characters to life. Art is from Indiana, and back in the day, he played for the University of Kentucky football team. Our special guest has to be one of America's busiest character actors. But first, before all of his success, after graduating with a football scholarship, he landed in Chicago, where he opened a saloon in 1969, and then later on, a bar and restaurant in 1973. I hear that they were both highly successful. It was in the mid-1970s that Art took a chance on his dream of acting and moved to California in 1975. He once said that it was a friend who convinced him to move, and he actually originally planned on becoming a writer. Isn't that funny? One year later, he began acting with renowned acting coach Gordon Hunt, who, wouldn't you know, is Helen Hunt's father. It was his acting coach that really made Art enjoy acting, as he always reminded him that acting is a positive and fun thing. An encouraging attitude will really go a long way. And Art LaFleur is a great example of this. 
he also really fits the Disney theme of going for your dreams and trying your best. I think it's pretty impressive that we haven't even touched Art's career yet. Wow. Since then, he has definitely kept active, performing in a number of guest starring roles on TV. Throughout the 1980s, Art appeared on Home Improvement, Jag, Angel, and even in Season 9 of MASH. In the early 1990s, Art adventured into the world of movies and scored a fantastic role in the classic cult film, The Sandlot. He played Babe Ruth. Those are some pretty big shoes to fill, but I assure you, Art pulled it off flawlessly, making the movie that bit more lovable for the young at heart. In 1995, Art featured as the eclectic and somewhat obsessive Red Sweeney in Man of the House, a family comedy that I know we all enjoy. It must have been so fun for Art to play all these diverse characters. He really gets to experiment with his character acting talents. Get this, Art also appeared in a sci-fi film, Zone Troopers. From family comedy to science fiction and on through to Disney? <laughs> that range of challenges is incredible. Art is definitely a valuable member of the Disney family. We are so lucky to have him. Another much-loved film that we can see Art's versatility in is The Field of Dreams. Hmm. I wonder if he enjoys a good game of baseball. <laughs> I'm noticing some kind of a baseball theme here. In Field of Dreams, Art played baseball team member Chick from the Black Sox 1919 Infamy team. He also played a coach for the New York Yankees in the 1992 film Mr. Baseball. That's pretty cool. If you were already impressed by this week's special guest versatility, just wait till you hear this. Art acted as the White House's security chief in The First Kid, as McNulty in both Trances and Trances 2, and appeared as the first sergeant in In the Army Now. Wow, Art's credentials are endless. There are so many more cool appearances. In terms of his contribution to Disney, we all love the Santa Claus movies, starring Tim Allen. And if your family is anything like mine, we watch them every year. It doesn't quite feel like Christmas time until we have sat around the tree and watched the magical story through the eyes of Disney. It's such a special movie franchise. Well, Art played the helpful and friendly Tooth Fairy. He was there to help Santa back from the North Pole and he definitely had a big part in saving Christmas that year. <laughs> Another contribution to Disney, Art appeared as a sergeant in a 1986 episode of the Timeless Disneyland TV series. It must have been a fabulous experience to be part of that classic Disney memory. More recently, you can see Art in Ace Ventura Jr. Pet Detective, and a 2005 episode of House. We can thank Art Lafleur's positive approach to character acting for his colourful range of roles. He once said that he liked comedy and if the script's right, he likes drama, so he is never afraid of a challenge. There is no stopping this week's special guest. He is on fire, moving from strength to strength. This includes appearances in shows like The Mentalist, and Ben and Kate.
Thank you, Art Lafleur. Without you, Disney certainly would not be the same. Hey, D-Heads. When you aren't enjoying Disney On Demand, head on over to DizRadio.com and listen to our famous Lifetime of Disney player, where you can while away the hours reliving Disney classics from film, television, and the parks. What are you waiting for? Keep your hands and arms inside at all times and go to DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. And have a magical day. Okay now, boys, if you just stop carrying on like, we just might dedicate this next song to y'all. And we so dedicate. you guys do thinking outside the box thanks santa you're the man well they gave me the big belly he's made his list and checked it twice but he forgot to read the single most important detail in the history of christmas the fine print i've got to get married yes it's mrs claus walt disney pictures presents tim allen i don't think there's a woman out there that doesn't want a piece of this Santa Claus 2. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, we're back once again for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And this week, as spring is in the air, we're getting ready for the warmer weather. We're thinking of baseball. We're thinking of all the fun kind of sports to do, heading out to the parks. And with us here this week is no stranger to any of those topics. You may know him as Babe Ruth from The Sandlot. He's been in such films as Man of the House, a variety of TV shows, specials, and more. You also know him as the Tooth Fairy Roy from the Santa Claus franchise. We have none other than Art LaFleur here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Oh, it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, you know, you're one of those guys that every time we turn on the TV, every time we turn on a movie, I swear we are seeing your face everywhere. 
Well, I, I've got that mug that's hard to forget, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, I guess, uh, you know, since spring is in the air, we were talking about baseball and sports and whatnot. I guess, you know, heading down the path of, uh, I guess, acting your entire career. I mean, you originally started playing football under Coach Bradshaw uh, way back when. I guess, uh, I guess, how did that start, come about? Then how did you start out acting? Well, I, I was really good at football when I was in high school, and I got a scholarship, and that's how I ended up playing at uh, University of Kentucky for Charlie Bradshaw. And um, uh, I uh, didn't get into acting until years and years later. I was I was 32 years old, and nothing was going to keep me... Uh, I, I was living in Chicago, and nothing was there to keep me there. Uh, so I moved out to, to California thinking that I wanted to be a writer. And uh, a friend of mine, the only person I know out here, uh, uh, I called him and said hello, and he said, what are you doing out here? And I said, I came out to be a writer, and he said, you don't know anything about writing. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, I he got me into his acting class, and uh, it took it from there. Well, I mean, and like you said, you know, you have one of those faces that everybody has seen, and, you know, you've been on a variety of television shows, including, you know, uh, final episodes of MASH and many others, and most notably, of course, uh, playing the iconic Babe Ruth in The Sandlot. Um, that's the kind of film that now has been passed on from generation to generation for uh, a variety of uh, children who grew up with that film now to their kids. Um, I guess, how was it uh, tackling, I guess, the baseball icon and now being part of this, uh, I guess, cult family film? Well, you know, uh, as far as the Sandlot is concerned, uh, we, we shot it in, uh, we shot the movie in, uh, uh, Salt Lake City. And, uh, it was really a great, a great pleasure to be doing it. I read the book, uh, by, um, I forget his first name, but his last name is Creamer, C-R-E-A-M-E-R, um, about the babe. And, uh, I just went into the audition as Babe Ruth and, uh, Met David Mickey Evans, who directed it and wrote it, and uh, I got the job. <laughs> well, I mean, and being part of this film now, like I said, it is a cult family classic. Is that something that you get recognized for uh, pretty often when you're out and about, or you know, people that have passed it on? Yes, all the time. And uh, I always say to people, you know, it's, it's the best one day job I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, went there on a Sunday. We didn't shoot it, uh, the scene until Thursday, um, the following Thursday, and I went home Friday, so it was a one-day job. Uh, but uh, just a short while ago, my wife and I were out to dinner, and these uh, little kids came up, and they looked at me um, at the table, and they stood there, and I said, can I help you? And they said, are you the babe? And I said, well, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, you're right. It has gone. It has, uh, I think we may be on the second or third generation of kids now. Definitely. You know, and it is amazing when you see, uh, you know, kids out and about who really recognize with the character. I mean, no matter what the part is, I know my kids, uh, for one, um, forever and ever now, they are convinced that the tooth fairy is a man named Roy. Uh, you know, doing a film like the Santa Claus and, and that as well, you know, I mean, being in these films, I mean, it is such a great memorable roles. Now, I guess second way into the Santa Claus and that entire franchise and being Roy, um, you know, the lovable tooth fairy, uh, I guess, uh, I guess, how was it when you read the part and they said, you know, we want the tooth fairy to be this uh, kind of fun, kind hearted man. Well, you know, uh, as far as the tooth fairy is concerned, 
when I got the script, it said, you know, when when they first mentioned to me about playing the tooth fairy, I thought, well, I don't think I want to do that. And then I read the script, and the script said, it looks like he played football, and he has a pair of little wings on his back. I thought, well, hell, I can do that. <laughs> so, so um, that that was the tooth fairy. Um, you know, uh, back when I was like, um, when my daughter was about seven years old, I had done Field of Dreams, and I had done the Sandlot, and I went to pick her up at school, and her little friend that she was with looked at me and then looked at my daughter and said, what does your daddy do for a living? And my daughter, without a changing a beat, said, my daddy plays dead baseball plays for a living. <laughs> so, so that was a, that was a very cute moment. And, uh, and then of course the tooth fairy came later on and, uh, it was just a, a no brainer. I kind of knew, knew what I wanted to do, you know? Well, I mean, and, and doing those kind of roles, like you said, are very memorable with children. And you, like, you know, you mentioned Field of Dreams, you know, and you've been part of such great iconic films like Field of Dreams and many others as well. I guess, you know, with this entire legacy of yours, is there any one project or television show that has always stood out as your absolute favorite to date? It's kind of the most memorable, the one that just always left that mark and, and a great story to you. Well, uh, the, 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 the Santa Claus 2 and Santa Claus 3. Uh, those, both of those films were very memorable for me. Um, uh, I, I had worked with Tim Allen before on his first show and, um, at Disney. And, uh, so, uh, that was a, and it was the same director, Michael Lundbeck. And so that was a very memorable moment for me. But also too, um, I, you know, when I worked with David Mickey Evans and I've worked with David Mickey Evans, who, who directed The Sandlot, I've worked with them on a couple other films. Uh, they've all been great and a lot of fun and um, always on location. So that's always fun, too, to get out of town. Um, so, um, yeah, that's about it. Well, I mean, you always have those those kind of roles that always just kind of stick with you or, you know, memorable fun times. And like you said, you were on part of Home Improvement and many others. And, you know, you actually have been part of a variety of Disney family films as well, like Man of the House and whatnot. And everybody loves the obsessive uh, Red Sweeney and those kind of fun characters. And I think we all have a father that we could relate to in those kind of roles. Um, you know, when it comes to the family-friendly roles uh, like Santa Claus and all those, do you tackle those differently than when you're doing, uh, you know, an entire different kind of character or is it you just go in uh, per the part well I think uh, as far as uh, playing the part of uh, those kind of characters in, in light comedy or if you're doing something very serious I think as an actor what you do is you just get into the part and uh, let it take you where it takes you and if it's written funny it'll be funny if it's not it won't do you know what I mean Definitely. Um, you know, it is that kind of delivery to it. And, you know, if it is, it, it is all in the hands of the writers, of course, and the material and the actor. It all has to kind of be cohesive all as one, I feel, that really makes it pull off. Right. Uh, but I, I think uh, if, uh, as an actor, if you are playing Red Sweeney in uh, Man of the House or, uh, you know, some other character in a more serious film, you know, uh, I, I think the, the primary thing is to really get into the character, find out where he's coming from internally, and uh, if it's funny, it'll be funny. You know, if it's not, it's, it won't. 
Definitely. Now, you know, you are one of the uh, most working guys in Hollywood, I would say, just, you know, from seeing your face pop up everywhere and a variety of TV. Is there one that you prefer more in terms of doing uh, television roles or doing films? Is there one that you, uh, I like, I guess, like more than the other? Or, uh, you know, is it kind of equally diverse? Well, you know, uh, because I was raised uh, primarily as far as once I became an actor when I was in my mid-30s, I had done a lot of stage work, and so stage is my first love. Um, and then, of course, I think film would be you know, the, the second thing, because oftentimes on films, uh, you can get away and go to other places, you know what I mean, and experience other, other cultures and so forth. Um, I've been to Thailand. I've been to lots of different places around the United States. Um, and that that's that's a very lucky thing I think to to be able to get a film like with Man of the House we went to Vancouver, British Columbia, and it was wonderful. You know, I spent the whole summer there, and I had a great there were a great bunch of people that I was making the film with, and so that was a good thing. Um, uh, I think uh, if I had my druthers, I would take stage first and then and then film. Okay. You know, it, like you said, you do get to get out more, a little more on location and whatnot. And, you know, I can only say that I'm jealous, you know, being able to go to Thailand. It's one of the ones on my bucket list that I've been trying to get to. Uh, but uh, now I'm going to have to sadly wait until the children are old and out of the house. Right, exactly. You know, uh, if you had asked me, uh, our, uh, list uh, the ten, play, 10 best places in the world you want to go, Thailand would not have been one of them until I had gone there. And once I was there and discovered the the place, uh, for me, I thought it was wonderful. You, you know, and you know, being seeing all these places, and like you said, you get to see a lot of fantastic places and being on location. Um, I guess that leads me to: Are you more of a city guy or more of a you like to be out in the woods, out in the country, uh, kind of the beauty majestic feel? Well, I think I like I like camping. I, I enjoy going there uh, uh, out to the to the, to the camp uh, on a river. Up in the mountains, um, uh, I do that a couple times a year. Um, but um, you know, because I've been raised in the city, I I grew up in Gary, Indiana. I moved to Chicago. From Chicago, I came to Los Angeles. Uh, so um, I guess uh, I'm I'm kind of stu- I've been kind of stuck in the city, but I do <laughs> enjoy the rural areas. It's, uh, you know, I guess it's one of those things where you never know how, how people react to that. You know, I grew up in the city and uh, was kind of away from the country for a while. And now I, I just can't wait to get back to the country. So it's, uh, it's amazing how it changes in your life. It is. It, it is amazing. And, and uh, I, I've been lucky actually to experience both. And I do like them both for their own reasons. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, I guess pulling way back, you know, uh, you've been a variety of a lot of projects. And some of those projects, of course, are, you know, memorable shows that, you know, sometimes things don't always work out. And one of those, of course, was, you know, you were part of another ball game for quite some time, which later on to become Webster. And you were only on that pilot episode. And everybody now, if you grew up in the 80s, you know that show, you know that sitcom. I guess, you know, how does it something like that come about where you're so involved with this project and then you're part of the pilot, and that's it. I mean, is that? Uh, I know you have the highs and lows of acting, um, but I mean, how is it in retrospect now, looking back at something like that and that entire process? Now, now it's a lot easier to look back at it. Uh, back then, it wasn't quite so. But um, my wife and I were in the process of starting a family, and we were having a difficult time 
uh, getting that started. And uh, I got Webster, and uh, it was called another ball game when I first got it. And I was going to be a regular on the show. And then after we shot the pilot, uh, I got a call from the producers a couple months later saying, would you come in and we want to talk to you about your character? And at that time that they called, my wife had had a miscarriage. And then she got pregnant again. And so she was pregnant again when I walked into the door of that producer's office to talk to them about my character. And they told me that they had that the emphasis of the show had changed and that uh, another ball game was now going to be called Webster and it was about this little kid and all that. And, and there was no, and we, they've already got one, uh, one football player and that was Ellis Karras and they didn't need me. And I thought, well, okay. So they said, you're out. And I said, and I ended up consoling them because I thought, well, look, my wife is pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing can rain on my parade today. <laughs> so you guys can't you guys can't get me down, and I ended up consoling them. <laughs> oddly enough, well, and, and you said now you know circumstances being what they were back then. You know, I know how hard it is to start a family, and uh, I guess you said it, now it gets a lot easier. I mean, and you know, being in your field, of course, that still happens now. I guess uh, is it something that's a little more of that's the breaks now, and you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and there's still there, people still every day have a difficult difficult time starting a family uh people you know man and wife uh uh or otherwise they they are it's 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 not that easy uh actually uh people get pregnant accidentally all the time but uh if you really want to start a family and have a child with your mate um it, it's sometimes it's oftentimes not that easy even today now, I guess uh, moving forward, away from the sitcoms and whatnot, you've been part of uh, a lot of great films, a lot of great things in, in Hollywood and whatnot. I guess with uh, uh, all the current uh, trends and things happening now, do you have any projects currently that you're working on or things that are coming up in the horizon that you can clue us into as to where we're going to be able to see your face? Well, um, there's a movie called House Hunting that is going to be, uh, it, if it's not already out, it will be distributed soon. Um it, it, but it's a horror film, but I had a great time shooting it. I was back in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, and uh, we shot that movie. It's a horror film, so uh, I play a different kind of a character uh, than uh, the Tooth Fairy, certainly, but uh, or Babe Ruth, but um, that's a really good one, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Plus, there's some other projects that I have in the works that... Uh, I can't really talk about right now, but they're uh, they're 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 either going to be web webisodes or uh, possible films that are coming up. Well, you know, and with something like house hunting, uh, you know, a lot of horror fans out there, and like you said, it is very different from playing the Tooth Fairy. Um, you know, is doing something like that horror was it a little more thrilling, a little more fun, just because it isn't the standard, uh, I guess, uh, art style? Well, it. Playing a, playing a horror movie is not that much different, actually, for an actor from playing comedy. Um, you have to be really into your character and uh, really 
feel what that character is feeling and be uh, as big as you can within the limits of the project. Um, but um, I think it's pretty; they're pretty much both the same. You have to be into your character, and if, like I said, if it's if it's scary, it'll read scary. If it's funny, it'll read funny. Um, you know, and uh, now looking at uh, a lot of our emails coming in uh, from any of our listeners here, they have some questions, of course, about playing the Tooth Fairy of all things, because, of course, that's what you're known for in the Disney circles. Um, they wanted to know, uh, I guess, uh, one of the questions here was, uh, how was it when you actually saw it on film, um, you know, with Santa's workshop, being able to fly, and how was it that they made you fly? You know, they know it's blue screen, but were you actually uh, wire hoisted up? Yeah, I was wired up, and uh, they were very good about it. Um, uh, but uh, I was wired up completely. And uh, when I flew either with, uh, you know, they had harnesses, and they were very, um, on the set, they were very safe about the whole thing uh, as far as that was concerned. And, and so uh, all in all, it was a really great experience. Um is that what you asked me? What you were asking me about was the, the flying. Yes, yes. And uh, and they also wanted to know how was it when you saw it on screen? Because you know a lot of it, of course, probably was blue screen and whatnot. Uh, I guess how was it when you actually see that on the screen with everything filled in? Well, with everything with, with everything filled out, yes, they 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 we we shot all the flying sequences with the blue screen in the background, and so they could apparently they just put in the uh, background. Um, and they do that frame by frame. I, I'm sure it's very expensive, but uh, they can eliminate all the wires, and so you look as though you're floating in on your own. Um, so uh, when I saw it, I thought it was very magical. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, uh, you know, I guess with it being magical, um, you know, with a lot of the children on the set, um, you know, some of their faces seem very genuine. When you were on the set, were some of those children really under the impression that, hey, Tim is Santa, you're the tooth fairy and whatnot, or were they well aware of everything? Well, they were pretty, they, they, they were actually pretty cute because a lot of times, both uh, on both Santa Claus 2 and Santa Claus 3, the, the kids would see me and you know, when I was all dressed up in as the Tooth Fairy, and they would point and they would whisper and talk and and crowd around me oftentimes. And, uh, they're, they're, you know, there were kids, and I got into the habit of just saying things like, uh, are you flossing? Are you making sure you're flossing every day? You know, that <laughs> kind of thing. So, um, yeah, the, kid, the kids were very innocent, actually, <laughs> and very into all the characters. And when they saw... The Easter Bunny, or uh, the Sandman, or Mother Nature—you know—they were—they were really, uh, or myself, they were very, very cute about it. Well, you know, we know that you're a busy guy. We don't want to keep you too long or whatnot. But I guess, uh, in letting you go, is there any words of wisdom from Art that you'd like to leave for any of the listeners out there and all your fans who, you know, like I said, every time we're turning on a movie or a TV show, we see your face. Is there anything you'd like to leave out there for all those people who have been following your career, uh, you know, for the entire length of it? Well, you know, uh, my, what I would say to all the kids, all the people out there who are fans of all the Disney films. Um, uh, I'm so glad that, uh, it brings a lot of joy to all of us. And, um, the only thing that I could say to them would be, you know, just make sure that you don't settle than what you should have, you know, uh, make sure that, 
all your hopes and dreams are, uh, you know, centered in the same place. Very good. Well, you know, it was a pleasure having you on once again, Art. You know, it was our pleasure having you on and talk with all of our listeners. And we wish you the best of luck in the future. And I'm sure everybody, you know, keep your eye out for, uh, you know, how, uh, house hunting. And it definitely will be a, a fun ride. And we're looking forward to seeing you uh, more in the future. Thank you, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate that. Thank you. Brush away the dirt and soot. Brush away your tears cobwebs that aren't swept away hang around for years in all weathers up all ass we can see for miles our idea of heaven is a night out on the top Shame. When the steps aren't going as smoothly as they might
Siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's Jason. I'm glad you made the politically conscious decision to make it down here today into the vault. We are very fortunate, right upstairs, to have Art LaFleur with us. Can you believe it? The Tooth Fairy himself. Well, I tried to leave him a note, since I don't have any teeth to leave for him. They're all, you know, kind of like the adult thing. They gotta stay in there. But I realized something. I doubt he's gonna come with just a list. He's not Santa. Welcome to the family, Art. I was going through the list of all the films that we could go through down here in the vault this week. However, I decided to go something with a little more low-key, a little more ha-ha-hee-hee funny, and bring to you my elected choice for today's film, the 1996 Walt Disney Pictures release, First Kid. Well, protecting the president's son in the 90s doesn't seem any different than protecting the, ch the children of the president today. Enter Sam Sims, played by Sinbad. You remember Sinbad. Not the one in Disney Tokyo Seas. He has his own ride. Sinbad, you know, the comedian. He's a secret agent and assigned by his supervisor Rafiki, I mean Robert Guillaume, playing the character Wilkes, to protect President Davenport's son, Luke. Luke seems to have a bit of a behavioral problem. See, his last handler, played by Timothy Busfield, Agent Woods, He's been replaced. It seems there have been a little bit of a media mix-up. A little bit of a mistreating, kind of a fisticuffs, shall we say. Because of that physical altercation, Woods is fired. Opens up a new job, Sims takes his place. The unfortunate thing is, Sims isn't too keen of the job. However, he does realize that if he does take this job, it may lead him to protecting the president. So what a great way to have a stepping stone within your job. Things don't seem to be going off as planned. Luke still has that rebellious streak within him. And Sims, well, he and Luke just don't seem to connect. Luke's teenage rebellion continues on even to the point where he releases his pet snake poison into the White House lawn. Now can you imagine that today? The garden right there, snake party, uh, well, anyway. 
the turning point, shall we say, between Sims and Luke, when Sims notices Luke getting beat up by the school bully, Rob, played by Zachary Ty Bryan. I mean, come on, Brad Taylor beating somebody up? But seriously, Sims feels sorry for him. I mean, actually connects with him a little bit, and they actually become friends. See, the other side of Sims that most people didn't realize is that he was a former boxer. And to kind of connect with one another, agrees to, to sneak Luke out on occasion so that he can teach Luke how to fight so that he can defend himself. Of course, he's going against the wishes of Chief of Security Morton, played by our new D-head, Art LaFleur. No teenage troubles would go without, of course, the love of their lives. And Luke is having a difficulty with the cutest girl in school, Katie. See, he wants to ask her out and go to the school dance, but he doesn't know exactly how to do it. In comes Sims, helps him out, and sure enough, scores the date. However, on the night of the dance, a backpack is discovered outside of the White House. In incorrect protocols, the White House is shut down, therefore shutting the door on Luke's possibilities of being at the dance. However, they don't realize that Luke has Sims on his side. Sims, again, breaking the rules, takes him out, takes him to the dance, and again, has a good time. Well, not so much. Rob the Bully tries again to beat the snot out of him, but because of the training Sims has given him, and the wittiness of Sinbad himself, Luke takes him down. At last, the dance can go on as planned, and Katie can be by his side. But just as things go well, here comes the Secret Service to break up the dance and retrieve Luke. Due to his actions, Sims is suspended and no longer able to speak to Luke. This crushes Luke and for once feels abandoned by a friend. Everyone on the White House staff knows of Luke's little problem, and to avoid any more instances, have placed him on a homing device. And again, looking at 1996 terms, what a rudimentary homing device. However, what is the first kid supposed to do while he's grounded? Well, goes online and talks with his friends. There, he takes some advice from his online friend, Mongoose12, on how to get out of the White House. Luke, being the devious boy he is, agrees and meets Mongoose 12, who actually happens to be former Agent Woods, who kidnaps him. Panic ensues. What is the Davenport administration supposed to do? Bring back Agent Sims, the only man who could protect him. Sims, being the wise man that he is, quickly tracks Luke down. Finally facing off, Sims and Woods discuss what exactly Woods' intent was to be with Luke. He originally thought, hmm, he could kidnap him, bring him back home, and be the hero to the president that he so deserved, and get his job back. But he's, be he's beyond that now. He's angered, and Agent Woods would rather kill him than do anything. The standoff continues, and Agent Woods blames Luke for everything, for losing his job, his wife, his life, everything. That's a lot to put on a kid if you ask me. Finally, after a brief gun battle, Woods is out of bullets, and Sims takes the initiative and takes him down with one hit. Secret Service comes in, and Agent Woods is apprehended. Not until Woods can get one final shot at Luke. This time, Sims takes the bullet that was intended for Luke, and Woods is violently taken down. 
With all these heroics, you would think Sims would get anything he deserves. And he does. He gets that job he so eagerly wanted. The opportunity to protect the president. However, he declines. Seems that there's a little biology going on between Luke's teacher and Agent Sims. All seems well now in the Davenport administration. And it seems now, through the help of Sims, that Luke, the first kid, can finally be a kid at heart. As I said before, this was an August 30th, 1996 release, and the comedy kind of proves it. But that's okay. That's what makes them fun. This is when we were finally seeing some good comedies coming out of Walt Disney Pictures. I mean, even before that, we had Mighty Ducks, Blank Check, Max Keeble's Big Move, things like that. Granted, it's a big span of time between 1993, 94 to 2001, but you can see my point. Movies like this, the true Disney comedies were starting to be seen again. The difference in the DVD release, and I have to say DVD release because I had to pull this one out of the DVD closet, is the fact that First Kid has not been released on Blu-ray. A lot of the older Disney comedies have not yet. I suspect they will be coming soon enough. The unfortunate thing, and I have to say unfortunate thing, about a movie like First Kid is that these were, again, those original Disney comedies that were finally coming out on DVD, but they were also in that transitional period that they were still on VHS. Yes, kids, remember? Big black tape, put it in the machine? Yes. That's where we first saw a lot of these films. So, what did that mean? Unfortunately, it meant no extra footage. It meant no DVD extras. It meant no special features. So unfortunately, if you're going to get a copy of First Kid, you're going to get pretty much just the film. Is there a Blu-ray possibility for First Kid? At this time, no. But I can suspect that if there were to be, it'll probably be packed with another film and make it a great double feature. Hey, what a great idea! Pick up one of these fine Disney comedies and enjoy a double feature yourself. You can't go wrong, and let me tell you, the laughs will ensue, if not for the comedy within the movie, but within the fashions found within it. The popcorn's empty and the curtain's coming down, so that can only mean one thing. It's time to say goodbye to you and my company. But fear not, my friends. We're going to tuck this one back into the archive and bring out another fine Disney feature coming soon. So, stream, rent, buy, first kid. You won't go wrong. Again, Sinbad, Art Lafleur, Zachary Ty Bryan. Hey, what what more could you ask? Okay, for a movie back in 1996, you could probably throw Jonathan Taylor Thomas in there too, and you'd have the perfect trifecta. But then again, that never happened. So until next time, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always inside of you. Secret Service agent Sam Sims has a style all his own. Sims, what is that? This is a black tie affair. I know, sir, I got it covered. I'm black and I'm wearing a tie. But now he's facing his most dangerous assignment, protecting himself no! from the president's son. Definitely the most powerful kid in the universe. <laughs> Just a kid. How bad can it be? 
So you like snakes. Guarding America's first kid. Unlock the door. Can be the world's worst job. How many times has Mr. Sims been left back? <laughs> but being the first kid. The school dance is Friday. Do you want to come? Is even tougher. Oh. You think you're better than everyone? I can't allow you off the ground. What are you doing down here? I don't have any friends. You can't keep that kid locked up in his room. I can't dance. Man? You said I can't dance. Oh, I'm Double O Sims. I know how to get us out of here. We got a perimeter breach. Are you crazy? I ain't doing nothing, but it looks good. Walt Disney Pictures presents Sinbad. And mm -hmm. sworn to protect. <laughs> sworn to serve. A little pelvic thrust. Try this. Uh. See that? Oh, they like that. They like that. Sworn to be wild. I'm a secret service agent. I'm not playing. Look out! <laughs> Sims, you were supposed to catch me. First kid. Go there. Listen up, all you rad dudes. Walt's house is rocking with a mania that's hit the street with a brand new beat. Gosh, it sounds like a party. Maybe I should bake a cake. Oh, oh, Tempest, Goofy. It's not that kind of party. It's a death jam. And we're invited to groove with the rest of the gang. That's right, Roger. My main man, Mickey Mouse, is busting fresh out of sight. He wants you all to chill hard and bump the bump while the mania grooves your moves. Mickey Mania is taking control.
there, how there? Three cheers now, tell me who's been the mouse in the house for all these years. all of you friends and d-heads i'm back once again you know i had to close out the show i hope you enjoyed this week's show for the week of april 10th 2013 and i want to extend a very special thank you once again to art lafleur for stopping in and chatting with all of you d-heads art you know i have seen your face everywhere i've watched you growing up and being part of such classic films as the santa claus franchise field of dreams uh you know the sandlot you know you have a career that continues to evolve and grow and everybody knows your face but to my children you're always going to be the Tooth Fairy Roy. So thank you once again, and you know we'll be on the lookout for all of his latest films and more, all of you D-heads. And if you have any great memories of Art LaFleur, definitely call him into our Magical Memories Hotline. Art, thank you once again for stopping in. I'd also like to thank the D-team. Yes, I'd like to thank Lexi, Jason, Jamie, and Aaron, all for stopping in once again and sharing their segments with you. If it wasn't for the D-team, you'd have a full show of me rambling on, and it probably wouldn't be too enjoyable. So thank you, D-team. You make Disney On Demand what it is. You help bring that fun, that magic, and that enjoyment to all the D-heads. Thank you guys for being part of our team. And finally, I'd like to thank you, the D-heads. Yes, for tuning in every single week here at Disney On Demand. You seem to like our new kind of Disney show, and all we can ask in return is that you keep on listening. Thank you for tuning in. We do this show for you. We are one of you. We are fans of Disney. And because of that, we make this show for you, and we want to just tailor it to be the most enjoyable two hours of your week so thank you once again for tuning in and it is always a pleasure for us to bring these shows to you so all of you d heads before we let you go i got to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at disney on demand and first and foremost you can always stay connected on our official website at disradio.com that's d-i-z radio.com there you can check out our full list of past archives our blogs and more right there on the home page you can also find more about the d team that you hear here on the show connect with them and you can find our free flash player our lifetime of disney player with over 300 plus television shows resort tv movies and more that you can listen to right there on the website so definitely check it out at disradio.com that's d-i-z radio 
Podcast.com. You can also find us all over Stitcher and iTunes if you want to subscribe to our show. All you have to do is search Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand and hit subscribe right there. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand, or you can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can find us on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, and more. Just search Disney Blue. Yes, you got it, B-L-U. You can stay connected with us all over the social media outlets and chat with us and more. And remember, you can always call our Magical Memories hotline found right there on the website. We can call in, leave voicemails, shoutouts, and more, comments, questions about the show, and you can always leave those for us, and you may even hear yourself here on the show. So all the different ways that you can stay connected here. We love you guys. We do this show for you. And, you know, it's always a pleasure. And you can find all the social media outlets, all the ways to connect, all the emails and more right there on the website at disradio.com. And remember, if you have an iPhone, you can always get our 100% free iPhone app. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, right there in the app store, and you can stay connected in the palm of your hand. So all of you D-heads, as we press on this week, we have another great show lined up for you next week for show number 37. And I'm not going to tell you the guest yet because it's going to be a fun one. But before I let you go, as always, as the Disney fanatic in my life, in your life, and more, we always have to take that moment. And as we always close the show, never neglect family for business. Until next week, D-heads, I'll catch you online. Mickey Mouse. Forever let us hold our banner high. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. M-I-C. See you real soon. K-E-Y. Why? Because we like you. Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.